Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle. I am your gracious and humble host, Jonathan Wiegand, and thank you for tuning in. We are streaming all across the Alpha Quadrant, all across the Fruited Plains that is the Federation. Thank you again so much for tuning in. And wow, we have a barn burner. Um, Definitely a divisive episode um, to start off season four. I personally loved it until the last two minutes. (laughs) We'll definitely get into why. This has received really good reviews and a few bad ones. So I'm kind of on the fence and you'll see where I lie at the end of the episode. But um, still, it's good to see Disco back. Um, It's kind of been a long hiatus for a lot of uh, for Disco due to COVID. But and I don't want to give too much away of what I think. But again, I'm always joined here by my great, um, I guess she's intern assistant Luna. And today we have a Monte Cristo White series joining us. So if you uh, hear the smooth Nicaraguan tobacco coming through the mic. That's what it is. <laughs> no, we're not getting paid for that. No. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. And let's get it right into the mix of it, of the Kobayashi Maru on Star Trek Discovery. Let's fly. So I will say that this episode has really received really good reviews starting out. I may end on the not so good. Um, Again, it was really great, but it kind of felt just like going through the motions a little bit. We knew exactly what was going to happen in a way. And then the big surprise ending really wasn't an ending in my opinion. It was just like a continuation of the burn. So that was a little sneak peek. But some quick, some good, quick first impressions, I will say that, is that I really did enjoy seeing the chemistry again of the of the crew and seeing those fleshed out a little bit more. And then the writers doing the smart thing and not overly playing it, just letting the audience connect with those relationships that we've forged in the past. We'll get into that. But also we have a kind of a new villain. Um... President Rylak or Rylak, <laughs> she's the new Federation president, kind of bucks with Burnham. I really love that relationship. So we see that coming out near the end of the episode, but it's still really well done. Also, we have a few little fun Easter eggs coming through, and I really enjoyed it. And I think you guys will too. It was like, ah, tip of the cap there. And like I said, the thing that I really didn't like about the whole episode kind of brought it down was the ending and how it really wasn't an ending. It's a continuation of season three and the season three arc. But very positive, great action, my man. Wow. The space, the deep space station uh, twirling and kind of getting with it and then rescuing. And I, I really enjoyed the kind of climactic ending to the episode. That, that was really well done. But let's first like get into it. Like I mentioned before, the chemistry and those relationships forged in previous seasons. Okay, first off, I have to say, I love the new uniforms. I mean, the new uniforms are great. Kind of reminds me of 
the original series a little bit. Kind of get some con vibes, maybe um, undiscovered country vibes that it's not for the fully red, white, like, I don't know what you call it, like a pinup, but it, it does look really good. I'm kind of glad they changed it. However, I hope they don't change it again. Just let it have their own thing, brother. They keep changing the uniforms all the time. And I know they're going thousands of years in the future and all this, but let them, let them just have their thing for a couple more seasons before you go and change it again. Also, the very beginning of the of the episode, we see this quasi-first contact that the dudes that they were meeting with, the butterfly people, uh, I, I don't have their name in the notes, but the only thing I have written down is they look like the the main alien from Prometheus, like the big, tall, white people. Um, and we're not talking about Ohio. <laughs> And I thought it was an interesting way of saying, hey, this is a federation now. We are helping people trying to rebuild the federation from the ground up again. Contact worlds now that we have to lithium and really kind of, kind of, yeah, rebuilding it from the ground up. And they do a horrible job of that at the beginning. And then we see Book and Burnham's relationship, the trust, the banter back and forth was really good. And then we eventually see, oh, this is going to benefit in the future. These people are eventually going to trust us again, and the Federation is going to be back up. Now, I will say this, the grudge being a queen and and the butterfly people being confused by that, I love that. That was great. <laughs> my, my cat's uh, looking at me like, yeah, I'm great. I'm a queen. Remember that, jerk. So there was some like light comedy, and it was really unintentional comedy, but that, again, that whole first sequence was very well written, and I wish that good writing continued on. And maybe it does. Maybe maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But that first episode left a bad taste in my mouth, like I said. And also, I think it's a brilliant diplomatic way to rebuild the Federation is contacting worlds and people that mistrusted or despised the Federation, especially everything that happened with the burn. It's a smart thing to be like, okay, we're going to go back and calculate it. And I wish that's what they do in Season 4, that you see almost a going where no man has gone before, you know, and we're, we're building and we're going after and we're kind of starting from the ground up again, almost a la Jonathan Archer. And I hope they do that, but I don't think they are. And as we saw with the ending, I don't, I don't think they're, that's the direction. That kind of made me sad. Also, we see Tilly and Burnham's good reunion, like bright at Starfleet um academy is opening back up and burnham giving the speech tilly is kind of concerned about her um promotion that she got she felt like is it am i worth the promotion do i get it and it's like again the writers did a brilliant job and you see this also with stamets and the trill <laughs> i forget her name i just always call her the trill is that you see these caring connecting moments they're very small very little but if you watch the show you can pick up on them instantly and it's kind of unneeded to over explain and that's something DS9 did. And then what made DS9 so well developed and fleshed out is that these writers didn't have to constantly beat us over the head. They were saying, hey, you're smart enough, you know, you remember, we don't have to constantly shove it in your face, which is very nice. <laughs> okay, moving on to new interesting characters and relationships. So President Rylak, I really love that they, I mean, she could Cardassian. Luna, she looks Cardassian, right? I mean, if you think if the Cardassians got a tan, that's what President Rylak would look like. And I think, I don't know if it's the tip of the cap or they're going to talk about it in the future season, in the future upcoming season, but I like it that it's a little nod 
because Cardassians really aren't explored too much except in DS9. I'm a little bit in TNG, so it's kind of like, okay, we're not forgetting where our roots are. That's what I kind of took it as. And the future that, hey, a Cardassian could be the future of the Federation. This is a possibility, which is very nice. There's no hard feelings, and you don't have any Miles O'Brien sentiment and racism be like, them Cardis. I hate all Cardis, from Cardi A to Cardi B. <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke. Take that to the bank. Get it because Cardi B's a singer, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, but what I loved most, like one of the surprisingly fun things with forging this chemistry and, and new characters is Book going back home and seeing, I guess it's his godson, seeing the sap world ritual. I don't know what you would call it, but that was actually really cool. Seeing that kind of go into these kind of a not a very famous world this isn't Vulcan or um Endoria this is a oh this is like a new one and we don't know anything about it and I think that's where Star Trek can get fun is and they can expand the Star Trek universe in the canon and I think that's that's good to have on the show you know it's not always good to just repeat and have the heavy hitters but to bring in new worlds and that's it man new worlds new civilizations so I was happy to see that and also, the planet's gone now, so there there is no civilization anymore. That, that, that planet got completely blown up by that weird uh, gravimetric distortion. I think that's what they called it. But we'll, we'll talk about it at the end of the episode. But one of the big themes that I noticed in this episode, and this is what all great sci-fi does, is that it asks applicable real-world questions in the show. You can be like, oh, that easily translates to real life. And Discovery hasn't always been good at that. And a lot of Trek hasn't been good at that. However, I think this is where Disco, hopefully the writers start coming up more and being like, hey, this is something that we could really flesh out. And that's where sci-fi gets good, in my opinion. And one of those themes that we see, and this is something that will, it's kind of an unending question. You'll always like wrestle with it, is the idea of isolationism versus like, I guess globalism is, a, I guess, a bad word. Because when I hear globalism, I think of Alex Jones and conspiracy. <laughs> like, you know. Um, but just being isolated within one's borders versus opening oneself to the world. That Maybe that's a little bit better explanation. <laughs> and we see that multiple times. Like, we see that with Saru back on his home planet because he left Discovery at the end of Season 3. And they're debating, well, should we open up ourselves? Should we open up our borders? Should we open up trade? with all of these other um, planets around us in our system. And we also see that in Starfleet as well. Starfleet before, Starfleet headquarters, had been under cloak for a very long time. And then now they're slowly starting to take the cloak off, open themselves to other worlds now that they have Dilithium. Kind of, okay, let's, let's get the thing back rolling again, you know. And this is a debate that we see a lot in Starfleet and then in Saru. And my question is, what is right? And that's so hard. You know, like, is, I know, and strictly speaking as an American, we've normally been very isolationist in our history, all the way up until probably World War I. Um, that's when we really came on the scene of getting involved in worldly affairs. So wherever you're at in the world listening, you probably think, well, the United States is in everything. We're in well, we were in Afghanistan, we're in this, we're in that, and it's kind of like, 
there's a growing sect in my in my country that we need to pull that back. We need to become okay, not complete isolationists, but we need to start just taking care of us, you know. And I think there's there's some truth to that, but there's also a lot of danger in that too. Is that look building those relationships around you, whether it be in Starfleet or it be in the real world, is vastly important. Keeping trade up, keeping diplomatic relationship is vastly vastly important. And hiding in a hole really doesn't help. Um, with the exclusion of Wakanda <laughs> out of the Marvel series, there, there's really not a good example of that. Like, you have to be open. And that's what Saru gives us great speech on. It's like, yes, this is this is not our sun. It's all of our sun. And we're just one planet in the many. And I think that's really, I think that's really good. And I think it's good to remember that we're not alone in this. And there's a lot of people dealing with a lot of the same issues we are. And at the end of the day, we're all the same. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. (laughs) So that was kind of, again, really good to see sci-fi translate over. Another one is that I read one bad review, and I wanted to talk about this, is that they believe that we are, and Disco is, creating themselves a box. Okay, if we go to the future, and what if they try to go back in time one day, and it's like, they're creating them in themselves like a time box. And I think that's not true. It's the exact opposite. They actually have limitless possibilities now being 930 years in the future. You don't have to you don't have to be restrained by the same canon ties and oh well there's a Dominion War going on now, so you have to do this. Oh, and Voyager's in the Delta Quadrant. Okay, well now we're gonna be in the beta quadrant. And then you just have Voyager 3.0, and you don't want to do that. That's lazy writing. So I think what they did was very smart. Moving forward, I think other, um, like Picard, is there, we're going to have the continuation of the 23rd and 24th century in the Alpha Quadrant, but it's kind of nice to have this refreshing take. So it's, I think it's the exact opposite. It's not putting themselves in a time box. It's actually opening up all possibilities. So I really, I'm excited for what they do. I mean, if they have limitless possibilities, you think they would come up with a better idea than what they did at the end of the show. Another big kind of, underhanded theme here and again I did get a five on my AP English history (laughs) exam in high school so I may just be like looking too into things you may say Jonathan sometimes the blue curtains are just blue curtains leave it alone but there's this kind of underlying mistrust of politicians that Burnham talks about and has the attitude of she doesn't trust President Rylek she doesn't like her involving herself in discovery, which I understand you don't want this big time Federation president just sworn in where kind of Federation is getting back up and started. And all of a sudden this lady is wanting to be on your bridge and kind of challenging you. And I understand you want to just have the curtains where they are, you know, I mean, the boundary lines where they are. You see it multiple times just kind of in her in her like not aneurysms. <laughs> you see it in her just uh, mannerisms. And especially when they're talking to um, Commander Nalas and he's kind of went crazy because he wants to go to another part of the ship to get to the escape pods, but there's no life support and he wants to take his crew up there. And he holds Tilly and the Trill hostage and say, hey, I'm going to shoot you if you interfere. The president gets on and says, hey, calm down. Remember the fissures of your home world? Weren't they great? Weren't they beautiful? And Burnham's like, is that true? And then Rylak's like, Oh, I'm sorry, Burns. Like, is that true? Did you really go there? Did you really experience that? Or are you just lying to him? And Rylex like, does it matter? He put down the gun. He cooperated. 
I talked him down off the edge. Does it matter? Does the end justify the means? If politicians do that, if they lie for the benefit, because what we don't know is that, okay, if we're all all right in the end. Hmm. I don't know if Discovery is meaning to lay down these themes and these tracks, but it to me it was very obvious, and especially when you see um, at the Admiral talk about it. Well, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes when everything is going crazy, you need a good politician. You need somebody to look up to. And while I think that's very true, especially in times of war or national distress, it, it's also very dangerous too. And especially in the United States, we're definitely seeing the the effects of that. Again, I don't like to be political on the show, but um, I just go where discovery leads, baby, and that's where we're at. <laughs> so I definitely think it was very irresponsible of Rylek to challenge Burnham on the bridge and challenge her command and her authority in front of her bridge crew. That's something you never do. It kind of shows Rylek's inexperience in a way, just my opinion. <laughs> so we see near the end of the episode, we see Rylek and Burnham go into the captain's quarters, or captain's ready room, sorry, and they're kind of debating, and she's like, this was the Kobe, this was your Kobayashi Maru moment, in a way, you flinched, in that you need to know what it's like to deal with death, and you need to know how to choose and respond, you can't save everybody, no one can save everybody, and yeah, Burnham got away with it today, and I think this is probably something we're going to see come through in the next couple episodes maybe maybe in the season is that burnham's gonna have a spock kirk like needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few type of thing and i think that's coming down the pike and they're just prepping us for it laying that foundation and i think that's great because that's a great again real world question that we have does the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and again you could argue either way and then sometimes you have Star Trek Three Spock, who's like, well, the needs of the few outweigh the needs of the many, and I'm, we're not going to open up that can of worms philosophically today, folks. But I'm just going to say it is something that you have to you have to wrestle with, and especially in Star Trek. But in command and in and management, and I do have kind of a, a management role in my job. I, I manage other uh, staff accountants, and for me, yeah, you're going to have to make hard decisions. And it's decisions you don't want to make. But you know what? It's for the betterment of the crew or the company. And, and sometimes that sucks. And sometimes you struggle with that. But at the end of the day, that's your job, you know? And you kind of have to be hard about it. But it's okay to struggle with that. Because I feel like if you ever get to the point where you don't struggle with it, then that's another whole issue, boy. <laughs> different cases, different strokes for different folks. But I definitely think that... The writing up until the last five minutes have been superb. Now we can finally talk about what I've been trashing for the past, like, what, 20, 25 minutes? Um, I hate how the episode ended. The graphic metric distortion or whatever blew up. This moon, beautiful CGI, by the way. I, I think across the episode, beautiful CGI, amazing, did a fantastic job again, as we saw in season three. But we see Book leave his planet and all there's all these dead birds which is kind of like ominous obviously and we see this huge gravimetric wave coming and eventually throws the planet a couple like hundred light years away and destroys it and everyone on the planet's dead and i think it's i think it's lazy i feel like this could be potentially be another burn 2.0 
okay, we're seeing instead of like, okay, let's reestablish a federation, let's go, and you have this great explore new societies, monster of the week type of thing, which I think would be very good right now for the pace in Discovery because we've had the exact opposite, very arc-centric um, storytelling. And I think it'd be nice to have a little monster of the week, not all the time, but maybe half the, half the season, kind of explore, see what Vulcan looks like, see what um, Earth looks like. I mean, we kind of did from last season, but you know what I mean, like kind of explore the Federation as is 930 years in the future. However, I don't think we're going to get that. We're going to get Burn 2.0. We're going to have this crazy astronomical event happen, and then they're going to have to investigate it, and I get to see future episodes. Okay, now we got to investigate it. Okay, what could it be? All right, let's figure this puzzle out. Okay, we're going to figure the puzzle. End of the season, they solve the puzzle. Everyone's happy. And they're going to have effects. Maybe some people, some of the crew will leave, some of the crew will stay. And it's like, this is season three all over again. And I'm like, you had me so excited, and then they did this, and they pooped all over it. It blew up in my face like a cheap pull toy, and I don't have. I'm not. I'm not happy about it, and I don't think uh, the other disco fans should be either. Now, I am not all about New Trek. I think it's okay. Um, usually, it's worse if not better. But disco has been getting better throughout the seasons, you know. So, I I really had a high bar for season four, and then hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully, that's not what is happening. Is that oh well, this is just another crazy thing because i mean if you think about it that's how it's always been season two you had the red angel and you have to figure out the red angel okay now let's go into the burn let's figure out the burn and it's like maybe that's the show and if that's the show then that's the show baby i can't do nothing about it <laughs> i'm just behind the mic but i'll just say i wasn't very happy with the ending and i'm sure a lot of you uh weren't either but we'll see what happens and hopefully i'd be more than happy to be wrong and I'd really love to see the Federation kind of explored um, just new galaxies, new, new civilizations, revisit some heavy hitters. But we'll see what happens. It was kind of cool. Um, Rylek, where, where she was talking about, oh, well, there's another spore drive. There's pathway project for the new Voyager. And I'm thinking, they're not going to time do like time travel, are they? And they're not going to try to send us go back. Because that would just like erase all of the hard work you did and creativity to get this crew out of the canon lockbox that it is in. So you're going to just undo all of that. So I don't know if I'm if I'm excited for that, but hopefully it's just reading too much into things and there's no time travel coming. So that's been the review of Kobayashi Maru. Um, thank you so much for listening. And all right, Luna, let's roll that beautiful beam footage. Yeah, I would say that, Luna. Yeah. V- definitely Kirk vibes we got from Burnham in this episode. Like, cowboy diplomacy, this is how we do it. I'm going to save everybody. Screw you. I love that. that. That was great. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, so, that okay, now we're officially done. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for listening. Again, you can always hit us up on social media. We're on Instagram at Omega Particle Podcast. We're on Twitter at Omega Particle underscore. We're, uh, I think we have, we're on Facebook. I, I should I do TikTok? I don't know. I'm not good. I'm not. That's a lot of content creation every day, you know. And um, but I will say, um, thank you so much for all the support and love hearing from you guys. I just was talking to somebody from Ireland the other day, so definitely feel free to reach out. Again, remember, guys, stay safe out there. Holidays are coming up. 
I know they can be tough for a lot of people, so definitely reach out to your friends or family. Um, if you're struggling, it's not usually a um, happy time for some, like I said. So definitely uh, check in on your friends, check in on your family. Make sure everyone's doing okay because let not your heart be troubled. We're on this together, all right? <laughs> and thank you guys so much for listening. And always remember, second star on the right, straight on till morning.